Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, welcome back to uh, another episode of uh, the ISA podcast, Nate Podcast. Uh, today we have a special guest. Is it is uh, Shreya Nandijaru? Did I say that right? Close. <laughs> close. It's Nandiraju. Nandiraju. Give me that. You tried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty close. <laughs> it's well, tough. It is Not tough. That common of a last name. Yes. Uh. But anyways. Uh. So how's how's what you been doing lately? I'm I'm just wondering. You tell me, Irvin. I've been working. I've been coming home. I've been trying to work out, but that never worked out. <laughs> and I've been eating and sleeping. That's pretty much it. And there goes the cycle. An everyday cycle, you know. <laughs> That's actually... I've been busy with work, though. Mm. Of course, COVID, that has changed our times. So sometimes you're working from home. Sometimes you're going to work. There's a bit of on-call work so there's always you know uh, it's, it's as flexible as it is it's also a little bit stringent on your schedule so i wouldn't be surprised like it's also yeah. taxing on me and that's just a, the school level <laughs> yeah i can imagine how you guys are doing it i've never actually schooled from home for so long um, i don't know how feasible that is for you guys like, I, I hope things are going well at your end it's doing pretty well so far, but it's pretty, it's pretty tough, but, uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so let's, uh, let's get down to it. So, uh, who are you and what is your role in the ISA? get there but uh, I think everybody should know more about you so 
uh, in actuality, what is your education background then? Yeah, I can still hear you. Shreya? Hold on a sec. Uh, there you go. You're back. Uh, although, let's see. this uh hold on a sec oh you're back wait wait hello uh i can hear you but okay uh try turning off your webcam I got a backup solution. On the fly edit. See now. Uh, this. Okay. Oh. Oh. Uh, yeah. Try turning off your webcam and see if uh, can you go just online uh, audio only. And I will adjust some things here I got a backup solution so can you hear me Irvin? yeah I can hear you now can you hear me? oh now the audio is gone <laughs> Hello? oh now I can hear you can you hear me? There you go. Was it on my end or was it on it was, your end? It was on your end. Uh, my, the stream on my end is still oh, going okay. up. Okay, strange because I could hear you. Okay, okay. Yeah. I had a backup solution just in case if you couldn't use webcam. Okay. <laughs> so, don't worry. I have... I have... Uh, well, there's a saying in the technical business is that 
a uh, 20% of the people will experience 80% of the bugs. Oh, and she's gone again. <laughs> Isn't this great? Let's see now. Sure, can you hear me? Hello? Can you hear me now, Art? Yeah, I can hear you, but it's stuttering. Can you turn off your webcam? Uh, let me just... Okay. You turn... Can you hear me? Hello? Hello? I can hear you. Uh, it's just your video seems to be glitching on my end. Really? I'm not sure. Oh, it's stabilizing now. It's glitching, huh? This podcast is sponsored by Nimbus Learning. Nimbus is a tutoring service that has partnered with Nate, a student association. If you are having problems with studying or need extra help to pass exams, Nimbus is an application which connects you to an online tutoring for any subject. It is easy by downloading the application, search for your subject, picking your tutor, and then booking a lesson. The first 10 students who apply the promo code free session in the Nimbus application will get a free tutoring session from Nimbus. Again, first 10 stu students who apply the promo code free session will get a free tutoring session. That's capital F-R-E-E-S-E-S-S-I-O-N. transition back to it that looks good uh so you can still hear me right i can hear you perfectly fine yes okay so you were explaining uh your reasoning why you picked the yeah. pardon my educational background yeah your, your reasoning why you picked uh project management as your um minor course for a uh, bachelor of technology right yeah 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 so that's a really good question uh, in fact the bachelor's degree has multiple different streams to major in and the beauty of this degree is uh, no matter what stream you choose to do in terms of your major a lot of courses overlap with one another so if you're considering going into supply chain uh, things like quality, risk, um, leadership, which is something that uh, is applicable across the board. Things like project management. There's two levels of project management. There's two levels of risk management. So you'll be taking up courses um, relevant to all of these majors. So yes, by title, I have majored in project management, but 
the degree itself, I think, does a fantastic job giving you a very high-level overview um, as well as in-depth in sort of technical knowledge into these areas that you won't typically receive from any sort of um, a technical diploma or even a technical degree, um, for example, even the engineering degree per se, right? So mm -hmm. this is almost like a, it's a, it's a great prerequisite if you're planning to consider an MBA in the future or you're planning to apply your technical skills in roles uh, pertaining to uh, management. And when I say that, you don't physically need to be in a managerial role per se, but you could always bring those um, knowledge areas into your technical workspace, which I currently am. Uh. I believe you'd like to elaborate on that, but I'll wait for <laughs> <laughs> a little bit later for me to get a little bit more into that, that aspect of things. So. Yes, that, that does. Uh, so then, uh, going back into your engineering background, why? Uh, what was the catalyst for you to take the instrumentation program then? Ooh, that's a really good question. Actually, growing up, uh, it's funny, I always wanted to go into aerospace. I wanted to be <laughs> a pilot, then I maneuvered into going into, or interest-wise, I should say, um, a flight attendant, believe me or not. <laughs> of my post-secondary when um, uh, I figured uh, chemical engineering I was in engineering at the University of Alberta and um, I yeah, I was uh, in electrical which I didn't quite enjoy <laughs> so at that point I was doing in-depth research and I found out about multiple different options to choose out of which process control was one mm -hmm. um, now again going in I'm, I'm sure a lot of you might have heard chemical engineering isn't uh, chemistry per se <laughs> so in the process of understanding what process control was I thought um, I'll do a little bit more research and find out what I could uh, what alternative options do I have to take for process control so one good option you know on a technical standpoint was the instrumentation degree or diploma sorry and uh, when I then was pursuing my instrumentation itself um, I was told by Nate that there is a degree that complements the diploma, uh, which makes it a, a whole and sole package, which you could get a diploma and a degree within the span of four to five years. And of course, the versatility of the VTech degree is you can be a full-time employee and pursue your education. Right? So it's very versatile in, uh, in the sense that you could pursue it evenings, online. So I thought, you know what, I'll get my diploma, I'll start working, and then I will basically have no social life and do school <laughs> after my work hours <laughs> and uh, that's exactly what I did for the last two and a half years I would say yes there's a little bit of a compromise and a sacrifice there but in terms of your personal life but it's quite rewarding because now while I'm young and <laughs> while I'm in the mindset to learn and groom and grow I guess I've uh, I've gotten I've gotten that good exposure for sure worth it <laughs> it, it sounds like you didn't. Oh, it's you mentioned that you, you didn't have a social life. 
but yeah. uh it's interesting because uh you you partook uh while you're at nay it seems like you partook partook in a couple of clubs yeah yeah uh why are those oh why are those clubs and uh why did you partake in those clubs other than the uh yeah. isa nate program <laughs> the isa <laughs> nate program yeah i mean a majority of my time i was spending uh in with isa i should say like i'll be quite frank here uh not because i'm participating in an isa podcast but genuinely i think uh one of my uh greatest involvements outside of my academics was uh, certainly uh, this organization and I say that because um, whenever I come to events for ISA uh, majority of them were the student nights mm -hmm. and in these student nights I'd meet students from uh, predominantly two institutes Nate and U of A and both of uh, both of which had attendees from various different disciplines not just your instrumentation or chemical I'd see uh, PhD students, master's students um, from the university, even even at Nate itself. Um, there was a couple from robotics, a um, couple from electrical. So it was really cool to sort of uh, meet on one common setting, I should say, and then uh, after this, even build those deeper relationships and connections where, you know, we'd go bowling together, we'd go, and yes, I, I did mention I did not have a social life, but just by who I am, I'll be honest, I, I actually did. Don't take my word <laughs> uh, very seriously here because um, I don't want to set sort of a wrong tone there. Uh, yes, on weekends, I did go out, I did have fun, I did grab a couple of drinks, happy hours, um, completely opposite to the lifestyle that we're living today, for sure. But... Um, yeah, no, uh, I'd say uh, my involvement is something that stems from my interests uh, deep down more than more than I don't look at it like a chore or something that sort of um, glorifies my resume. That's not the true intent to why I'm uh, active with all these organizations. I just find that there's multiple opportunities to grow and just discover yourself and learn by engaging in um, uh, you know opportunities like these so indirectly yes it did help me grow professionally but at the same time I find that the, the networks and the relationships you build uh, it's something that carries you a, a long ways and it might not come to your hand right away after graduation or at the need of the hour for you but I think um, uh, down the lane it's definitely something that is like a third hand to you. It it, it really, uh, I don't know how to explain that, how to prove that, but um, I, I'd say if you if you indulge in that experience, you'll definitely uh, mark my words today and you'll see the value of uh, engaging in things like this um, apart from just academics because in today's world, it's not just about your school and your GPA. It's all about, you know, how you how you develop yourself full, uh, well-roundedly and um, over and above <laughs> so it's well, good it's good to see that institutes have certain plat platforms like these so i'm always happy to be part <laughs> still <laughs> well uh it's it's really interesting because uh well and most students will just try to go through the the uh post-secondary just as fast right. as possible and looking out and try to get a job right away but i 
I feel like uh, post-secondary should be also an experience where you not only try to get an education, but also meet new people and experience what uh, it is a like the first layer or boundary before entering into the uh, job field. So it's it's a way it's like the testing grounds of what your interests are and how you can connect into other individuals who are in different fields. Exactly. No, that's absolutely true. Um, yeah, no, I think you pretty much explained that pretty well. That's that's exactly it. It's not in an academic setting. All you learn is, um, you know, it's, the tools it's of the trade, based, yeah. right? The yeah, tools, exactly. The tools of the and, trade. And of course, that's, yeah, very, very critical, but uh, not something you can solely bank on oh, yeah. uh, at the same time, right? Yeah. So then... Uh, you said you, you participated a lot, not only in uh, with Nate, but uh, in the ISA community and ISA in general. So what are the most notable uh, moments you did encounter during uh, uh, Nate and ISA Nate? Yeah, uh, there's quite a few, actually. <laughs> quite a few notable moments for me. Um, one is definitely I stand by the principle to see is to believe mm -hmm. uh, and the reason I say that is when I was studying uh, in instrumentation itself I was just learning so many technical concepts and now we're learning we're learning things like PLC programming right we're learning things like data comms uh, learning things like uh, things having to do with process instrumentation so there's they're all different fields once you step into the real world it's very it's not ideal to be doing all of these in one setting as you are in in school so uh the very fact that that's where the two c's to believe is to come uh, comes from because when i'm in events events isa events you have multiple different industry professionals that dive into each of those sectors right they're explaining what they do in their workplaces uh, compared to uh, the courses that we're taking. So they draw parallels between the courses that we take to what they do. And that is is something that you one cannot get exposed to if they don't come out to uh, events like these, if they don't. Yes, um, sometimes students find uh, advice as generic advice uh, students. And I myself was a student until two or three months ago, I should say. so. It's very difficult uh, to get a cookie cutter approach when it comes to this. It's not something that one individual can carve uh, the path out for you. So it's not, it's not right for us as well to be able to rely upon just their advice. But also, I think we should step outside our boundaries and sort of get a feeler for ourselves to what that is. So I had that opportunity to begin with. Ooh. Secondly, I think more than networks and contacts, I was making friends. I was able to talk to <laughs> the, the ISA professionals. I was able to talk to these members about my keto diet or like my workouts or my life <laughs> in general, not just about, you know, can you tell me what uh, this valve looks like at your company? So to me, I think despite the age gap, it's really about um, building that sort of informal friendship and that helps um really you know have trustworthy communications have get some genuine advice from people you look up to um 
and indirectly you're just learning many leadership skills so um, it's not something I can quantify but I can definitely say over the years um, yes I'd say years because I've been with ISA for about four or five years now mm -hmm. um, from year one to what I am today, I've seen a significant change. Have I written down the goals, like what I would like to see myself in five years? Not really, but I think indirectly, it uh, it really helped um, in grasping a lot of <laughs> a lot of the traits and skill sets that industries industries need from new graduates like ourselves. They really bank on that. So soft skills, communication, leadership, public speaking, all of these are. Uh, definitely areas that uh, that I got significant exposure <laughs> and yeah those wow moments where every single event I've attended I, ca I can't attest to that enough um, I'm, I'm not sure if uh, the attendees on the podcast had an opportunity to attend a lot of the events these days uh, everything's moved virtual but uh, I would highly recommend face-to-face uh, uh, you know technical tours or you have you have your technical talks you have online virtual events you have the AEC so uh, even the board meetings very welcoming to everybody attend a monthly board meetings as well so so then what is that one moment like uh, throughout uh, these few years that reassured you or confirmed you that uh, this is the community I would like to partake in. That moment for me would yeah. be opening up the gateway towards uh, being able to grow in my role. So I'll give you an example of that. Exactly four years ago, I was helping uh, in volunteering, setting up chairs and tables at one of uh, the student nights that happened at the U of A, uh, uh, I believe. This was about four years ago. Mm -hmm. That moment was not the wow moment for me. But I figured after joining the organization, I found that the, the doors just opened up, grow in the ladder, if you call it. So I've become the ISA student section president for Nate. Then um, that slowly gave me more opportunities just from speaking to multiple different board members on how to um, then increase my uh, or load myself horizontally in terms of responsibilities. So then I had the opportunity to liaison. So once um, the board was welcoming of that, they have given me more opportunities to uh, grow from there. So uh, I've now uh, uh, sort of signed up for uh, being a an actual board member so hence the secretary but the journey doesn't end here you think oh now I'm a board member so what can I do next so now with the organization uh, with the ICA org itself so the headquarters you have things like the young professional committee so that now at on that platform you're uh, communicating and in touch with young professionals on a global stance mm -hmm. so things like that it's really all about how can you load yourself horizontally and vertically to one, gain more knowledge and to build more networks to understand with networks within your community. So that's that that to me is an a wow factor. I wouldn't say there's one specific instance. It's just very gradual. I find that there's a very nice flow to this process. So um, that's what makes it quite attractive to myself, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> 
So you mentioned that uh, not only that you you network and you meet a lot of people, but you also see a lot of new technology and uh, new uh, advancement in our in this day and age. So I have a question that uh, it's specifically on that. What does mm-hmm. technology mean to you then? Ah. Uh. Hmm, <laughs> that's a tough one. Uh, to me, uh, I don't have one specific word uh, to describe what technology means, but I could explain the thought process that goes on in my head uh, when it comes to how I understand technology in the co- uh, in the context of ISA. So if you've noticed, um, ISA has the number 75 in it. I don't know if you noticed. Yeah, it's existed uh, it's for sim- nearly seventy-five years, yeah, right? Yeah, seventy-fifth year. Yeah. So, exactly. So, if you think about it, seventy-five years ago, number one, I wasn't born, <laughs> <laughs> and more than that, you'd see over the last decade or decade and a half, like there's some buzzwords out in the industry now, things like AI, things like machine learning, things like Internet of Things, um, the digital world, smart technologies. So all of these sort of emerged um, gradually over the last like decade or two. I could be wrong, you can correct me on that. But that's not something that existed 70 years ago. So when you say technology, that automatically to me is something where you're taking an existing, uh, I guess, technology <laughs> and you're trying to build onto it to make it more efficient, to make it more Um, user-friendly, right, to make it more um, compatible, uh, safe. So there's, it's all about that development, that gradual development. And because ISA um, is basically an organization that sets standards for that, it as an organization also um, develops along with the technology, right? So that's what, that's what the attraction factor here. It's about knowing that this organization um, isn't fixed. It's always up to growth. You know, there's new market players um, that enter into the industry uh, who then get exposed to this organization and, of course, have some individuals uh, as representatives w- within ISA who then you would meet. So it's it's a very connected network in a connected world. So what drives the technology? People. So it's people and experts like yourself, myself, people who are much more experienced we come in with new ideas and we always bring those ideas to the table in order to make this happen. So to me, technology is more of a concept than an actual, like a product. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's just very interesting because you it, it's very hard to describe what it is. And I think uh, everybody, everyone has a differentiated opinion <laughs> and perspective when it comes to how they view technology but that's just mine um, I'm always welcome to knowing what all of you think <laughs> that that is really interesting because uh, yeah yeah uh, well I had this, this same discussion with some of my uh, friends and we were discussing on what is technology and how they view technology and uh, they're, they're noting that the fact that technology is something that uh, is applicable to improving human lives and improving human mm-hmm. uh, standards and you start questioning is is a lever or a wrench a technology or a tool and as 
like as we discuss even more it's it's interesting that what we define as technology is technology that not only uh, improves on the basis of older tech and older uh, systems but mm-hmm. uh, push forwards uh, new ideas and new uh, science or even uh, boundaries that even we don't even comprehend absolutely and uh, speaking of comprehension uh, with the ex- <laughs> with with such a such a growth of technology uh what is automation personally means to you i think hmm, interesting (laughs) automation okay so the first thing that comes to my mind again and Mm -hmm. this stems from the concept of technology uh it's to me it's a process right so what here here's how i look at it think about it in the past now if i take leak detection right as an example leak detection yeah so in the past oh shreya did you meet yourself hello hello hi okay urban you're back yes yeah you're speaking of leak detection Right, yeah. So that was one example. I'm giving you an example of what comes to my mind. Previously, you know, we're talking years and years ago, uh, in the past, we have things like dog sniffing methods, right? You have dogs (laughs) virtually coming and sniffing to see where where leaks occur in, like, pipelines and stuff. So over the years, um, I don't know if you came across this, but there's a company, it's a UK-based company uh, that looks into... um, automated technology for leak detection and now this exists in multiple different industries worldwide um i'm just giving you one specific example that evolved from uh dog sniffing i should say (laughs) to acoustic acoustic vibration signals uh and other sort of um sensor technologies that revolve around being able to take a leak understanding the noise signals right being able to process that data and taking averages of the data and then coming up with a whole model that relies on how to predict possible leaks based on um, these acoustics and vibration signals so it's very interesting to see that uh, like I mentioned earlier these industry buzzwords AI you have machine learning you have smart technologies things like that 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 surround the concept of preventative maintenance. It's it's almost like, I know it sounds like a mouthful of terminologies, but it's, it's almost like thinking ahead. So automation today is concept and ideology of thinking ahead. It's not just being able to reciprocate to manual intervention or manual processes or any sort of command that I press, but it's almost about what, how can it, um, sort of detect its surroundings and environment and be able to react accordingly, right? Doesn't necessarily mean we sit there and we control a process. Before, automation used to be considered sort of along the lines of uh, what I just explained. But today, I think the whole ideology of being able to take up the task of what humans would be able to do, right? So 
we have some great senses. How can we make these machines develop the same sort of strategy uh, in what they're doing is kind of the progression, at least in my opinion, <laughs> again. Um, it, it, it's a, it's op the, op the table's open for discussion when it comes to these uh, things because it's just so rapidly evolving that I, I find it very interesting to be learning about it every day and being in an industry that is focused on um, instrumentation, automation, you know, asset reliability. I think it's very interesting uh, to be able to have that sort of grasp on things and understand um, how uh, how what exactly automation does today. It's it's like an ocean's worth to know, <laughs> and I'm I'm one little fish in the <laughs> in the sea. <laughs> that so. is that is really interesting because uh, you yeah. you you mentioned that uh, automation is. I would say uh, thinking ahead and thinking ahead and reapplying it back to uh, current systems and all that stuff. And what leads you to internalize that view of automation? I mean, uh, again, no one specific instance or scenario to that. Uh, but I definitely think if you think about it, you're around it right now, right now your garage opener it's it's the simple things around you traffic lights like even even there's apps now you could be in a whole different continent and you can open your garage door right it's that to me automatically you might not sit there thinking oh wow this is automation <laughs> right mm -hmm. but um just being surrounded by it if i look around it almost looks like everything around me doesn't require um me having to go and physically control a process. Um, yes, uh, uh, I mean, it's constantly developing and it's constantly adapting to the new changes and the new, new demands. And that's what that's what makes this industry so competitive. We need to, you know, always add new elements to um, existing automation technologies. But I find that if you look at it with the lens of how has it evolved over the span of 10 years, span of 20 years, instead of what is it and what does it do? Because um, it's not, again, it, it's a system. It's not really one specific product or one tool. So yeah, I mean, uh, I myself, I'm learning about it. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, it yeah, being, being in the industry, I'm new to the industry as well. So it's every day I'm, I'm looking at how, uh, if, for example, in my workplace, I'm working with specific sensors and these sensors detect contaminants and where. So we then tie that to something called telemetry systems, which I don't know. That's again me. I don't want to dive too much into it, but <laughs> remote monitoring, right? So things like how can I put these sensors in a system and how will they be able to detect, um, for example, where or contaminant or um, vibration or temperatures and be able to relay those signals to the cloud. Right. And how would we take that data and how do, do we analyze that? So, yeah, all of this is, um, I think it's, it's all part of automated technology, I would say. <laughs> and there's and robotics, so there's mechanical automation. So there's multiple different aspects to automation for sure. That's so. So with you being exposed with automation quite frequently, because you're you're in a uh, instrumentation individual. Uh, 
how did automation affect your job then or specifically your life either one yeah so uh i'll be honest with you i don't actually do automation related work Mm. per se but i think um i definitely know that uh, the clientele or the the client base that we have uh has automated processes at their end so i'm indirectly working with automation but not in the automation field but i'm an instrumentation role (laughs) i know (laughs) it might be a little bit confusing but um essentially in terms of what i do i'm working with um a bunch of different sensors uh, that, like I mentioned earlier, do uh, are, are are mainly focused on detection capabilities. Right, you're detecting contaminants, you're detecting where, um, and I also it's clubbed into the whole um, product line, which we call the UCM, which is Unified Condition Monitoring. Now I won't get too much into that, uh, but in terms of automation. Uh, just to uh, get your question back, just so I'm back on track, Irvin, what were you asking? I'm <laughs> so I'm asking yeah, how how did there. automation affect your life? So it doesn't have right. to be your job or anything along the lines of that. So it, for like my case, when I finally noticed right. about automation, it's when uh, it's applications on phones and uh, computers mm-hmm. and uh, other tablets. I have a I have a sibling that that is uh, technically dis- disabled. So doing auto- uh, automating a lot of things for him and for myself, building applications, building software so that he can interact with the world is uh, is what I, I realize how automation affect my life. It's it's not something that I, I should ignore it or just be bliss about it but it's something that is constantly improving my life and improving the lives of others that i i see around so in that sense how does automation affect your life yeah (laughs) i think you've given a very relevant example i'm trying to look for uh equally relevant examples yours i mean i'm uh I yeah, like I mentioned, uh, I the the garage opener, for example, <laughs> <laughs> right? You're, now in in school, in school, I was learning. We were, or I'm sure you're you're learning it. The PLC programming, right? yeah. With with PLC programming, uh, it we linked it to robotics, right? So a lot of the times, we're looking at how to automate certain processes. Um, that'll that'll help you, pretty much. You know, be efficient in your processes or your your, your systems. So, I think uh, I don't have any specific examples or <laughs> relevant examples <laughs> that, I, other than uh, a lot of the things that we're surrounded by are, I think, uh, they're automated. Um, you know, grocery stores. You have your conveyor belts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you so I mean, no personal experiences other than just the exposures that receive on the, on the daily. Uh, I guess our daily lives and you mentioned uh, apart from work uh, where exactly do you see it I, I believe these are probably um, the avenues like you mentioned with your with your brother um, it's all about how you apply uh, what you learned to you know to help you <laughs> optimize <laughs> whatever you're trying to achieve uh, there in terms of work of course industries are just so um, you know there's a plethora of different 
uh, ways in which you'll see uh, industrial automation. Um, and that, that again, comes uh, with uh, indulging in those conversations and understanding how each company automates their processes. And you, it, it's surprising and mind-boggling to, to know that um, uh, uh, every company uh, has sort of that vision to uh, save money, but efficient, uh, make their processes as efficient as they can. So uh, now we, of course, it's pretty boring, I should say, to, to get too deep into that aspect of things. But I, yeah, I mean, you have things like the robotic arm and, you know, automation in the medical industry. That's something that's pretty intriguing, I yes. think. Uh, yeah, robotics is really always developing, right? Yeah. So things like your limbs, um, developing automated technology to replace uh, limbs and, you know, um, other sort of uh, medical interventions, I think, in the medical field, it's pretty eye-opening to me personally. I haven't had an opportunity to work on that, but uh, I'd say, uh, you know, uh, finding <laughs> areas in which you could invest in automated technologies would um, would be awesome. Great, great learning for sure. Good exposure. Not some all of us would have the opportunity to indulge in. So. Uh... Uh, since we're on the topic of automation, uh, ISA deals with automation all the time. Well, and it's e even in their name, International Society of Automation. So, uh, why do you partake in the ISA community? Ah, to make friends. <laughs> <laughs> wow, short to the spot. That's better than yeah. what Blaine would say. <laughs> yeah. Of course, again, he's a great friend of mine. I will tell you that a great mentor. I should say also another applicable term here to describe playing great mentor, great leader, great friend. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, if you ask me why, I, I believe I've definitely touched based on that in my previous answer, and I really don't want to be around the bush there yeah. um, and bore the audience. But yeah, you know, um, I just think uh, I'm, I'm, I'm learning every time I engage in uh, conversations. Now I could pull out specific conversations, but that's not the point of yeah. this. Uh, the point, yeah, you know, the point is, of course, we should, we should be open-minded. The one advice I would give is be open-minded, be willing to learn. Um, you know, I'll give you a very good example, and that's about myself here. Okay, um, go ahead. It, it, it's today, uh, I won't consider that as boasting per se, but back in the day, if I'd said it when I was a school student, I would, <laughs> you know, my classmates would have been like, oh, look at her talking about her really high GPA. <laughs> but today, what's funny is that doesn't matter because back then you're, you know, you're a very bright student um, demonstrating some exceptional academic skill sets. But to my surprise, that was maybe one millionth, if anything, of what uh, my workplaces needed from me, right? They needed a lot of attributes from me that didn't pertain to my GPA whatsoever. And I think those attributes are what uh, I definitely 200%, if not 100%, developed through my consistent engagements um, 
with uh, within this particular organization, I will tell you that, yes, one way of looking at it is, you know, they build automation standards, they have technical certifications, they have, yes, um, that is fantastic and that's something we all need to in order to develop our technical competencies. But I think the journey doesn't end there. Uh, it's being able to translate those competencies in roles that require you to be excellent communicators, in roles that require you to demonstrate exceptional leadership skills, in roles where you could converse with your coworkers and your clients, right? So that sort of approach and attributes, I should say, is something that predominantly comes from doing what you're doing right now, yeah. <laughs> right? So um, that's part of the reason I'd say that's my driving factor there um, to why uh, to answer your question on why I'm um, why you partake in the ISA community exactly and exactly and so speaking of the community how could students uh, how could students partake in the ISA then oh that's up to the students. <laughs> I'm joking. I I really don't want to set. Um, uh, what do you What do you say? I I really don't want uh, to let the students know or you know put restrictions or boundaries on them as to this is what you need to do um, in order to be in the ISA or because I think so far from my responses I think I'm hoping at least that uh, students might have gotten a good idea as to the sort of path that I've taken uh, and the sort of approach that I've given this. But I would say um, in terms of recommendations to what uh, students should do to be involved with the organization or what can they do, um, I don't know. The first thing uh, I think is going baby steps, right? It's very, uh, I don't think it's uh, reasonable or logical for a student to say, oh, you know, in the next 10 days, I want to go and I want to lead the ISA meetings. No, I don't think that's how, uh, that's how the, the sort of the progression or the mindset should be. It starts with small things that you do. So this podcast, for example, you've done, uh, you and the team, I guess, have done a fantastic job to gather a group of students, um, a couple of industry professionals, and of course myself, to converse about um, my experience here. But I think, in my opinion, how I view this, it's not about me <laughs> as well. So this is about how I can help students um, walk through my journey. So if students can do that with other students, right? So if you can spread that word, um, and by you, I don't mean to say you, Urban, in general, anybody. Well, do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, yeah, if they can go to their classmates and say, you know, um, I've, and Honesty, honesty is the best policy. They can go uh, and talk about um, what they felt after this podcast, whether they really benefited from it or whether they didn't benefit from it. Either way, if if they have these conversations, then I guess you would know what um, what can we do next time to make this better, right? So when you address that, you're coming up with sort of better opportunities and maybe ones that please a greater audience so then you can then drive them into it and understanding what exactly is the value that this organization brings to them and i will definitely attest to the fact that isa has a phenomenal group 
of board members. And these members are always willing to take your ideas. So if you as a student group come up with a set of ideas and pitch it to the board, they will uh, wholeheartedly welcome your ideas and find you the tools and the resources to help students then um, achieve their goals and their targets. And we as students also need to remember, um, I guess I graduated, so I can't say we as students. <laughs> I <laughs> but, mean, uh, you're still technically yeah. a student membership. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Oh, it's funny how you know that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think um, we as students need to remember that uh, the, these uh, board members or professionals that I'm referring to, they also have full-time jobs, right? So if they can take the time to provide us with the tools and the resources, and they can take the time to even answer our phone calls or um, you know address our uh, ideas or our concerns and help us and connect us with the right sort of um, know the right people and the right community we have to see that as a blessing I think that's definitely uh, a blessing in disguise so when we know the value of what we have we can definitely leverage from that and find opportunities to build from what we have at hand right so it's very difficult to get free advice these days so it, it is <laughs> if, true uh, and like yeah, uh, the, yeah. The, the idea of this podcast as well as not only to expose isa to a broader audience but also to showcase like people not only you but uh, other personnel who uh who participate and partake in the isa so why not give them a platform to speak what their experience is and also guide other people to how they could partake in the isa absolutely uh and, oh, yeah, and, uh, yeah. Oh. yeah no i think <laughs> that that's exactly the intent uh, of this. I really wanted to speak of my experience from deep down. <laughs> this is this is very true, and I think um, you can. I hope you can gauge the enthusiasm in my voice because I am always enthusiastic when it comes to uh, being a part of uh, the ISA family. I don't even say committee or organization. I call it a family for that reason. Very aptly put. So yeah. <laughs> uh, it's coming up to the end of the hour. So I have, while while I'm getting these questions, uh, people from the uh, audience can type in questions in the chat or in the Q&A, and uh, we can take some of them out. Uh, I also pulled some questions from uh, bef uh, people who registered and so here's a really interesting question from one of the students uh what is one thing you wish you had known when you began your career uh, so this will be a very honest answer here mm -hmm. the one thing i would have wished someone <laughs> told me is that going in i will not know anything regardless of how much I've known coming out of my, uh, my degree or my diploma. So all of us, when we go into workplaces, we undergo training, mm -hmm. right? So typically um, we enter in with sort of that confidence. Oh, you know, I've attained this job. I've gotten this job. I've earned it. 
I've done phenomenally well in my interview. I've done very well in school. You know, I was a distinction student. So all of the sort of pre-notion mindset and um, thoughts that one might have had stepping into the industry can sometimes be a make or it could be a break. Um, and the reason I say that is, uh, again, I don't speak from personal experience of going in <laughs> with this attitude, but I just find that uh, once I was, uh, once I'm in a new role, I've um, I've experienced the fact that I have to undergo sort of that learning journey once again. It almost feels like I'm in school, except you multiply the speed by a hundred, and you're expected to learn so much in a short span of time because because now you're surrounded by people who have multiple years of experience and you're also surrounded by people of various different age groups various different backgrounds right um not you're not just working with instrumentation guys now you're working with uh project managers you're working with sales you're working with research and development so there's multiple different divisions here to work with um so if you know that going in you're you know the attitude that good it's good that I made it so far but the real learning starts now sort of approach um, and I know in that's something most of you might have already known and it, it might sound redundant but it's easier said than done for sure um, it, it's everybody needs to be in those shoes to be able to understand what that <laughs> what that is because schooling's only two to five years but working is 20 to 30 years. That's oh, yeah. that's the reality of life. So, um, As much yeah. as a quarter of our, your life is in school, the other quarter of your life is going to be in work. Correct. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, how about this one? Uh, what advice would you give to someone wanting to pursue a career similar to yours? Hmm, that's quite similar to the first question, I would say. But um, this question is interesting. And the reason I say that is because you might guess, you, I, I don't know if you believe me here, but I work in the IT department. <laughs> <laughs> I come from an instrumentation background, but I work with an IT department and uh, I am the only... Um, female representative in the in, in the department and filled with you know uh, computer engineers software hardware electrical and computer science uh, graduates so it's very interesting to see that I don't um, directly or even indirectly to uh, the most part do what they do so um, I won't dig too much into what exactly is uh, the, the work or the products I'm dealing with but uh, in, ter in terms of uh, getting a career, I, think, I guess your question was um, going the route of the career that I am in. Yeah. Uh, it might be pretty rare. Uh, it's not something that, you know, uh, typically students could assume while studying instrumentation. But that brings me to my next point about being open-minded. So don't, not, don't set yourself that expectation that, you know, coming out of instrumentation, I want to uh, become an instrument tech um, and then I want to get uh, this designation, uh, my CET or my journeyman, and then go that route. So it's good to have the goal, 
But at the same time, I don't think you should be limited to that. Um, there will be opportunities that come your way, which is least expected, like myself. So I never assumed I would be sitting amongst a group of software engineers <laughs> and, and learning how to, uh, I, I mean, on a very superficial level, learning how to code um, to get certain products tested and validated. Uh, and more importantly, you know, um, interfering and um, learning a lot of the cloud-based sort of platforms and, and tools. All, yeah, um, software technology. Correct. Yeah. And again, don't get me wrong. That's not what I do uh, most of the time. Uh, I do work on the instrumentation side of things, which is um, testing a bunch of different sensors, validating it, you know, setting up uh, simulation environments for these sensors, similar to what it would uh, behave like on field, um, taking the data and analyzing it. So that's pretty much 50% of what I do. And the other 50% is me whole and solely learning um, the the software aspect of it, so the testing, the commissioning, um, the configuring, uh, and things like that. Uh, so, yeah, the the product is developed in house too, and uh, a whole bunch of like software and IT guys work on that. So it's it's interesting. Not something I'd expected coming out of instrumentation, or even while I was in instrumentation. So, uh, for those who are wanting to step into a similar career, I will tell you. Um, things will happen least expected. So <laughs> I, who I, knows, you could be working on airplanes or <laughs> something super random, right? So. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, one yeah. thing that I think most students need to take away from instrumentation is it's a jack of all trades. And so it's, you're not only pigeonholed into instrumentation, but you delve with other technology that applies not only to instrumentation, but also to other fields in the world. Yeah, yeah, very true. And so, uh, speaking of, since you mentioned that you're the only woman, was it was mm -hmm. it most difficult choice to select instrumentation engineering as a woman? Yeah, so I think my studies have done a pretty good job in giving me a little bit of a <laughs> uh, pre-alert, I should call it, um, to... Uh, yeah, the men-to-women ratio, I guess, in that. I will tell you that, um, yes, there are some roles that require um, sort of more field work, you know, um, being on site. And it really depends on your interests. If you're a woman or not a woman, I understand there's multiple different organizations today that support um, minority roles uh, such as men in nursing or women in technology. So there's organizations like Women in Technology, that's what it's called, WIT. Not only that, industries do a very good job today in being able to um, recognize that uh, opportunities like these should be given you know, to all um, graduates provided they meet um, the requirements of the role. Uh, and I say, I say that from my personal experience, I am currently in a very technical role and a lot of my tasks involve having to, um, you know, troubleshoot or having to build something hands-on. So I wouldn't say it's physically exhausting or draining, but it definitely does require um, a few skill sets that requires you to apply your mind, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So given that, I don't think 
really, whether you're a woman or a man, uh, makes a, a huge difference in that regard. I think, um, yeah, I think industries uh, today, I can't speak on behalf of every single uh, industry, but of course, uh, at my specific workplace, I think people are very collaborative, very um, supportive. Uh, all my coworkers are fantastic when it comes to understanding, um, you know, the, the needs and the requirements. Um, and of course, they do keep in mind <laughs> uh, that some some tasks might be slightly more challenging for myself. Like you, I you know, I can't just lift a valve up. It's so difficult for me. <laughs> I claim I work out. I used to work out quite a bit. You know, I sometimes I consider I'm strong, but no, apparently not. <laughs> I can't just do it. So sometimes, you know, you I have to request a little bit of extra time to get that that stuff done. But the, that's the beauty about being able to communicate those sort of things um, with your coworkers, they help you out, you know. Um, yeah, there's a few challenges surrounding, uh, yeah, not right now I was just talking about the physical aspect, I understand. Again, I really don't want to hit the bias zone there. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> different. Uh, I just need more workout. I need more energy. Uh, I'm different, but um, I guess, uh, yeah, uh, I would say the challenge is really all about knowing whether you want to be in a specific role. So technical skill sets are very important in today's day and age. So if you get that opportunity, definitely get indulge in it, dive in it. And then as you progress through your career, you will know maybe maybe sales is your thing. Maybe uh, business development is your thing. You, you will understand that as you get that exposure. So uh, definitely though, I would suggest not to go in with that mindset of, oh, I'm a woman, I'm, I'm going to be in this role forever. You know, no, I think um, industries do a good job understanding your plus points and your strengths and your weaknesses. So they'll definitely cater opportunities for you as a woman. If you, um, within within that industry, I mean, if you um, sort of prove yourself in specific aspects, I guess. So <laughs> just speaking out of personal experience. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have another question right here from the chat room. Um, two questions, actually. If you want to share, how was your first interview after school? And what does your typical work, work day looks like? Yeah, so um, my first interview after school was all about school. Because <laughs> uh, let's be honest, it's very difficult to... Uh, elaborate on work experience, right? Coming right out of school, you don't have work experience, and I and nope. choose um, exactly two years ago. I know coming out of instrumentation, I didn't have much to talk about valves. I didn't have much to talk about the clients I was working with. I didn't not much actually. I had nothing to talk about these <laughs> <laughs> things. So, um, most of my examples uh, were pertaining to school, my academics. But that said, what I will tell you is not to lose hope when it comes to that. One need not have 10 years or five years or three years of experience to be able to prove themselves in all settings. So when you land your first interview right out of school, it's the traits that employers look at. You will see that um, a major component of your interview process involves behavioral-based assessment which absolutely has nothing to do with your grades or your learning capabilities. Um, or sorry, by learning capabilities, I mean how you're performing in a specific course. It has to do with how you're able to 
reciprocate to the situations that arise around you in a workplace if you were to work in that specific company. So they want to see how you really tackle these situations. And sometimes they're pretty challenging to be able to answer um, because there's no right or wrong answer, but it's the approach that counts. So um, my strong advice is coming out of school, your interview uh, interviews may not pertain to your job experience, but I most certainly will say your approach um, on how you deal with learning new things or your approach to how you deal with certain situations uh, is what will be looked at and assessed. And of course, if you're involving in, uh, you know, things like leadership related, growth related um, uh, organizations or anything extracurricular activities, I should, I should call it, um, that will be recognized as well because that goes to show that you're, you're um, running that extra mile, you're trying to understand things more than just the academics but on the application side and see how you're bringing value to your community. So that's definitely um, recognized and valued by interviewers. So don't lose hope just solely based on the fact that you don't have experience. That's my top advice for everybody who are trying to interview for the first time coming out of school. Oh, and uh, my advice is also is don't lose hope on when your first interview, they reject Goes you. bad. Yeah. Right. Because that, that uh, what happened to me. And uh, I uh, there was other, fortunate enough for me, I had other interviews lining up, but my first interview was uh, not really great, if I could do say so myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yours was one year lucky, Irvin. Mine were a handful that I wasn't able to go through. So it's okay to not make it through. Actually, it's okay to not land what you you had always asked for to land because not everything is supposed to be or meant to be a cakewalk after all. Oh, yeah. And uh, the other question was, what does your typical workday look like? I start with a coffee. <laughs> uh, I'm joking. I am not actually a caffeine drinker. I'm not. Uh, uh, I guess teas have caffeine, but yeah. Anyways, my typical work day at work. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's funny. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the term agile, but uh, a lot of my work is agile project work. Um, for those of you who don't know, that's it's not something. Uh, repetitive or routine on a day-by-day -day basis. I don't go to work um, just to do a repetitive uh, list of tasks uh, every day. So I really, to put it in a nutshell, um, it's dependent on project. So if I go to work today or tomorrow, I see uh, that uh, we got a new client request or we have a new project in line that needs to be done. Um, I guess based on priority, pick that up whether it has to do with sensors. I explored uh, about that a little bit uh, in detail in previous questions, I should say, so I don't want to repeat that again, but essentially, yeah, I would go uh, pick up a few sensors, uh, try to validate them. All of a sudden, I'd get a request to ship out, uh, you know, uh, another UCM module. So I'd go, I'd pick up uh, a new task altogether, I'd get that tested, I'd get that verified, and then I'd have a couple meetings with a few other departments on another project. So really it's all about, um, for me, 
I guess my daily routine, uh, it, it shifts between having to do things that were pre-planned in terms of, uh, you know, product testing, product verification, particularly sensors. Uh, if you're interested to know what kind of sensors I work with, you can personally message me. I will walk you through uh, <laughs> exactly what what I uh, what products I work with. But on in terms of my daily routine, I think yeah, if you uh, it's it's very agile and uh, it's uh, spur of the moment. So um, projects, there's a timeline to the project, but in terms of specific tasks, it all depends on what are the inputs that I'm getting from different departments and how can I get those tasks done uh, then and there meet the needs of our customers. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that helped. Uh, I think Meenal was asking, but it, if you're interested to know uh, more in specific, you, you can definitely connect with me personally and I'll be happy to give you a very in-depth <laughs> um, little explanation. Whoa, she replied. Awesome. <laughs> so, uh, with that being said, uh, times is we're running out of time. Uh, so, a little bit of housekeeping here. Uh, I say is having a student night. Am, 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 am I right about this, right, Shreya? Uh, student night. I'll be honest with you. When is that? Yes. So uh, I know that student night is going to happen in sometime in January. Uh, if you okay. want to know more about it, I recommend uh, messaging us or either uh, partake in some of the uh, ISA's, uh, well, ISA Nate uh, meetings, and we can we can figure out when would that updated. Also, uh, with that being out of the way, uh, thank you, Shreya, for partaking in this podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, t- uh, where could they uh, contact you if they want to reach out and speak to you directly or uh, a company phone or company email, man? Uh, you could actually uh, email me to my personal email. I could I could send it in the chat box. Yep, you can place it in the uh, chat box. Yeah, I'll do that right now. Uh, can email me there. I am fairly quick at responding, except for times when I have some extra work or I'm really tired and I'm sleeping. Um, <laughs> But I should be fairly quick uh, in terms of getting back to you if you and 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 likewise, I think uh, I also would be very interested to learn from uh, all of you who are here today. Uh, I, I myself, I'm a young professional. I am not much different than a recent grad, so this is a two-way street. I think um, it's fantastic for you to reach out to me, and I'll also have the chance to, to know you more anybody who reaches out <laughs> you can connect to, with me on LinkedIn as well I'm pretty active on LinkedIn uh, my first and last name and if you guys have it I can also type that out in the chat box and uh, you can post that in also there you oh. go yeah so that's me 
and uh one last thing uh for any new new individuals who partake in this event uh you we are also giving away a free membership if you want uh just message either me or Minal. uh you can message me at hold on a sec at this email address and uh i will i will direct you into learning how you can uh, access that uh free membership and with that being said thank you shreya thank you everyone who participated and uh listened to this podcast uh, this podcast would also be on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And with that being said, uh, good night, everybody. Thank you, Irvin. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>